Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Sliding Into My DMs, part of the D4 network. Uh, this is the show on the network. It's basically a talk show about Dungeons and Dragons. We talk about D&D rules. We talk about uh, brain farts. Um, we <laughs> Butterfly farts. Have them all the time. Butterfly farts. It was a rough day. Writers, writers block. I'm here. I'm throwing <laughs> a mojo. Throwing <laughs> uh, I did fine last week. I'm sorry. You're throwing off Colby's groove. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we talk about D and D news, and we talk about D and D tips and how to make sure that you know everybody at uh, at your table is having a great time playing this game that we love. Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm your host. My name's Colby. Thanks for being here. And with me, as always, uh, we've got some of my DMs. So yes, uh, Dallin. I almost called you Preston. Dallin, <laughs> Mr. Rogers, um, is joining me in the flesh live. Uh, you know, AKA other Preston. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We we played. Most of you probably know we played with kind of doing uh, an import uh, an in person like live format last week. Seemed to be pretty well received, even though the audio quality I think was uh, left something to be desired. Yeah, we um, messed up. Sorry. We're we're working on that. We're we're tinkering, but uh, in the meantime, you know, it's pretty easy using a single mic to just uh, have Dallin join me. So yeah. um, we thought, hey, we'd pretend that we were the dungeon dudes for a day. <laughs> And, uh, you know, but then, of course, we have uh, Preston with us and also uh, Corey. Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate having you. Um, how's everybody doing? Having a good week? Doing good. Uh, I'm excellent, but it will get better because tomorrow's Thursday. Oh, yeah. Game night. Game night. Always a good time. Mm -hmm. yes. That's right. Awesome. Well, let's just jump in to, uh, to the topics that I wanted to discuss with you guys today. Um, first, as always, we have a quick ruling and a longer conversation that, uh, yeah, that uh, is going to be longer. Man, I'm, I don't know. I am struggling. Um, it's okay. That's okay. All right. So for the quick ruling this week, I think it's a fairly straightforward question, but based on some little preamble that we had before we started recording, Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I was actually a little nervous that everybody would just be like, yeah, duh, that's easy. And then I'd be like, well, that was a stupid question. But here it is. Um, if I am using a two-handed weapon in combat, and I also have the ability to cast spells, do I need the Warcaster feat in order to cast spells with a somatic component? So for those, for the uninitiated, Somatic component is basically, you know, we're basically told that if a spell has a somatic component, you need a free hand in order to, you know, throw gay signs, signs and the, yeah, exactly. So, so do your Naruto signs. So do I need Warcaster if I am using, you know, like a great sword or something like that, and I want to cast a spell? Um, what do you guys think? That, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, you cash, do. Cash side, how about that? Okay, um, so <laughs> before we get into my counterpoint, I feel like you guys should explain. Explain your logic. Yes, tell me why. It's the rules. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'll, I'm going to I'm going to do a light one, and then uh, I'll hand it off to you, Corey. Mm -hmm. um, the the way I read this is that if so, the Warcaster specifically says 
You can perform somatic components of spells even when you have weapons or a shield in one or both hands. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because with a two-handed weapon, yeah, technically you could let one hand off and, you know, like that could let it fly. But because it has such a specific thing about like having weaponry in your hands, I'd say that you need to have Warcaster to be, or or at least be where, um, I mean, if you're casting a spell, if if someone wanted to stick their, their long sword or you know um two-handed sword sword in the ground cast a spell and then come back to it that'd be fine but i wouldn't let them be like i'm gonna make an attack now i'm gonna do this other thing that involves spell casting you know like it 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 kind of it makes warcaster a little more useless i guess because if someone's taking that feat i don't want to cheapen a feat just by saying hey you can cast it even though you've got a two-handed weapon sure um, I mean, I guess my thought was always that, it, you know, it was for people who had, say, like sword a shield, shield and a sword or yeah. like were dual wielding or whatever. But I don't know, Corey, t- tell us your your thoughts, your reasoning. I think I think Preston nailed it directly on the head there, because um, having a two handed weapon means both of your hands are dedicated to using that weapon. There is there is no feat. There should be. But there is no feat that says you can use a two handed weapon with one hand. Sure. In okay. in D&D. Um, so taking one hand off of a two-handed weapon that is only a two-handed weapon and is not versatile means that that weapon cannot be used in combat mechanically. Mechanically, it cannot be used in combat to while you're also casting spells. Right. That's what the Warcaster is there for. It's basically if your hands are full, you can cast spells. And, and just to clarify for those who may not know, you know, what we're told about somatic components is spellcasting gestures might include, you know, if, if a spell has a somatic component to it, the little S next to the, you know, components, uh, spellcasting gestures might include a forceful forceful gesticulation. That sounds really inappropriate, by the way. <laughs> forceful forceful gesticulation. gesticulation. I don't like... Gesticulate while masticating the Bonkers. components of something. Uh, That's what the M stands for, right? Is masticating. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this is getting bad quickly. <laughs> Welcome to the BDMS D and D. Okay. We just need more acronyms. Anyway, uh, it might include that or an intricate set of gestures. If a spell requires a somatic component, the caster must have free use of at least one hand to perform these gestures, right? And so that's why, obviously, I think we're kind of uh, pontificating here. Right. So don't so play a spellcaster with no of the hand, right? That's the clarifying point right. there. They have to have a free use of their right. hand to cast the spell. Yes. So here's where I disagree with you guys. If you look in the player's handbook on two-handed weapons specifically, mm-hmm. um, it states, let's read it here. The, this weapon requires two hands when you attack with it. This property is relevant only when you attack with the weapon, not when you simply hold it. So in my mind, when you're making the attack you're using two hands but then you can let go and cast a spell i mean uh, it makes sense to me right I, like uh, it seems like i don't know why i couldn't like you know rest it on my shoulder right. to go blah blah yeah. blah or, or put the point in the stick ground, it in the ground. Yeah. you know i'm still maybe hold sorry you can't right. see i'm still holding <laughs> holding on to it with you one have hand. control of it but you're not actively wielding it right yeah um maybe maybe it would depend on well like are you trying to cast a spell as an action did you swing the sword that turn is Is it it versatile spell is it a reaction spell i yeah it i mean it gets a little gray but i think just as it's written there i think you're allowed 
Um, because it's it specifically states it's only two-handed while you're making the attack right right but it's one of those ones where like if it's if if you have like a flambears right they usually have the ability to be able to when you're wielding it technically you could wield one it's a little unruly but you could wield one there's plenty of youtube videos if you want to go look at them (laughs) um about wielding them and like they can grab like on the blade a little bit further and you know it is possible to to wield and swing and cast a spell at the same time but there's others other weapons that might be a little more unruly like a ball right <laughs> i love or, how i love how Preston there is like using logic to talk about how you should be able to wield a sword with one hand and cast a spell with the yeah. other <laughs> no absolutely it's logical <laughs> it's absolutely like i don't see anything wrong with battle mages like but yeah. um I but as far as the theme. rules is written it feels like that that does it Again, I, it go, that's my my core is that as long as it doesn't cheapen someone else's, because if if someone has to take a feat to do something, I don't want to give that for free to someone else. Mm-hmm. Sure, I, unless I it's something the, stupid. I get the sentiment, but I think Warcaster specifically is for dual wielding or sword and board kind of styles. I think a two handed you can easily let go and cast a spell. So what's to stop somebody from dropping their shield and casting a spell? We already had a slide into my DMs episode on that. Dallin, point. Well, it's right over oh, Dallin's forehead. Right here. So go check it out. <laughs> talk about it because that's so, that's in the, the same vein of like you know yeah. if you can set one down, you should be able to set the other slough off another one. You know, like but usually shields are just like you got a buckler that's on your arm. Some of them are strapped on. I can see that, but others right. you could drop pretty. The easily. difference is the rule though, in the in the player's handbook specifically says while making an attack. It doesn't say that with the shield with the shield or anything. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I, I it could go either way. It really just depends on your DM. I honestly think that if you take that to D and D Adventure League, they will require you to have Warcaster in order to cast spells. There's a good question for the viewers. Those of you who have played in Adventure League, if you've seen this come up, let us know. I mean, obviously, I'm always interested in your guys' feedback, regardless. So, agree, disagree. Right. Tell us how you'd rule this at your table. How your DM rules it if it's come up. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be curious, especially if you've played an adventure league, um, right. see this. I can feel all the comments coming for me already. <laughs> no, I think, I think most you can come at me. I got yeah. this. But yeah, I, I think, I think you'll get most of the people yeah. on your side just because uh, <laughs> typically, in favor of. typically your commenters are always in favor of the player rather than, uh, any sort of actual I rules. I don't know. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. For I think- uh, from the last couple episodes of comments against me, uh, I, no, that is exactly the case. I, I think you might be taking this a little personally. I, to, to, to be fair, last episode, I was channeling my inner Corey and somebody was like, you're wrong, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even there. I'm not even there. Actually, I didn't um, know. I didn't know if they just if they just I thought it was the last episode, episode really and were, like, you were completely wrong through me. <laughs> um, but anyway, I got a good laugh out of that. That is that's funny. Um, yeah, I think um, what I, what I would rule it at my table is if you cast a spell with uh, a two-handed weapon, you can't attack with that weapon this turn. Because you're taking your hand off to cast the spell. And again, we're not talking about a turn that take like your action takes like a minute. It's six seconds of combat really quick, right? It's hard to believe that somebody can cast a full spell and attack within six seconds. It happens. Unless they've got you need to be able to have specifically trained for that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what a war caster. I, I would for. still argue that I could be like in a backswing and be like, uh, no, just put it on my shoulder. And <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. But you know, yeah, yeah, you can argue that all you want. I probably wouldn't accept it. <laughs> I guess it but just it, depends on like how your DM imagines combat 
too. Like that's part of it. Yeah. Right. And it's weird because it's the shared imagination space. So it's like when you have conflicting ideals, it, it's weird and you end up with these kind of situations. Sure. So thoroughly exhausted the topic. So thank you. Um, and yeah, yeah and again. you're wrong. Let <laughs> <laughs> me in the comments. Yes. I'm just kidding. Let us know. Let us know your thoughts. Agree, disagree. And especially again, <laughs> if you've seen this at your table, how it was ruled. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to the uh, longer conversation. And we're back. Thanks to our sponsors. All so I need to make an apology. Don't do it. I need to make a formal apology video on YouTube. I'm sorry that this happened. It will never happen again. Uh -oh. Um, I'm I'm in it's Camp Dallin and Colby now. I, I with uh, our quick ruling. Um, I did some additional research, and uh, there's one very pointed thing that comes up, and it's clerics using a sword and shield but having the shield be their holy focus. Uh, and they like they like wading into combat, but they still like using spells with somatic opponents and uh, kind of rulings. And this pains me to say, but Jeremy Crawford included has said <laughs> that the somatic components can be used with that shield hand that's attached to the focus. Hmm. And a lot of people are just commenting about how like when they're LARPing, it's a lot easier to cast a spell without with a uh, two-handed weapon than a shield and sword, plus a lot of different rulings that kind of went to the whole, like sure. the errata kind of said that it now only requires the free hand when attacking kind of thing. Logic um, reigns supreme. Yeah, I, I got to I gotta give it. I got to give it over. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand my, my ground because people need someone to throw tomatoes at, and I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's your job as the bard to get tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, Preston, make me a performance check. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, Google, roll a d20. Something? Is it doing anything? Natural 20. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm back I'm throwing tomatoes. <laughs> Here, I'll screenshot it. I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you. I'm, I, I appreciate uh, that we made a combo. Mm. You photoshopped yeah. it. Can't see it. You can't see it. 20. That looks Ow. like a one to me. <laughs> so I want to talk about late game play. That That ever elusive rarely seen the bigfoot of dnd mm. um you know level 17 plus gameplay or 15 plus maybe depending on your table i don't know anyway um i guess my 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 overarching general question is why don't we see this more at our tables like it's not just us it's i think it's basically everybody maybe with you know a few rare exceptions but yeah. but hardly anybody plays the the game hardly anybody plays DD &D at like i don't know level 13 and beyond i think is is the yeah. sense that i get from just the videos books, that i watch books. you know comments in my in in my videos and things like that and i I don't have a really clear understanding as to why. And so I'd like to maybe pick your guys' brains on that a little bit, but then also, you know, get beyond the why a little bit and talk about, you know, what we can potentially do for those interested anyway, to like encourage more late game play, what the benefits of it are, why we would, you know, be potentially interested in, in having late game play. Um, and like maybe some tips or advice that you guys might have to make 
you know, late game D&D, um, work better, be more fun, be more enjoyable, et cetera, et cetera. But, but let's start with the why. Why is it that we don't see late game play at our tables? I mean, Wizards of the Coast, like, doesn't even create official content for late game and yet they have given us like all of these things like ninth level spells and you know uh, capstone features to classes and subclasses and all of these things that some better than others yes uh, yeah <laughs> some definitely some better yeah. than others um but but they never generally see the light of day so like to me it's almost like why even bother like creating these late game options if you're not also going to create content to support it. I mean, obviously, we don't just have to run official Wizards of the Coast adventures, right? And I think a lot of tables or maybe most tables eventually do some homebrewing themselves and they they might use in it they might use an official adventure as like a starting point, but then kind of continue the story from there with some homebrew. Maybe they're just trying to encourage that. I don't know. But what are your guys' thoughts? In our first campaign in the Horde of the Dragon Queen slash Rise of Tiamat. Did we get up to 16? We think so. we ended the game at level 17. Like, oh, like okay. after we had after level. beating, yeah. no spoilers, but after beating the final boss, who shall <laughs> remain unnamed, but I bet mm-hmm. you could guess. Yeah. Dragons. Yeah. Um we dinged that's an old wow term. Sorry, World of yeah. Warcraft. We we hit level 17. <laughs> and I was so excited because I was playing a monk. <laughs> course and it was a way of the open hand monk and that that ability is amazing and i was like yay and then the game was over we stopped. And never got to use yeah. it <laughs> yeah sorry i i was the one running that game and i couldn't remember what level we got to i apologize well, that's okay it's been a while it's been a while so yeah a long time <laughs> my my thoughts about why why wizards doesn't do many adventures in in such a high level campaign um number one they're really hard to plan for every contingency for right like wizards basically has like here's the MacGuffin. here's why these specific spells won't work against it because your players might get access to those spells and then once you hit like level 16 17 18 it's like well maybe they'll have a wish spell at some point you know like they'll they kind of can do whatever they want i think uh the adventures are meant to be the building blocks for your characters you start out you do this level one to ten adventure you become the grand heroes and then your dm is supposed to take it from there and take it to the next level or five levels however you want to see it um there are a few books out there that do higher level campaigns uh, i know the secrets of candle keep has a single encounter or a single uh one shot campaigns for level 15 through 20 and i think uh, preston and i have actually played one back when they were doing play testing and that was a lot of fun playing in the 18th or 20th level character yeah. you know um but it i think it just come i think it just boils down to wizards knows that once you hit that level you're you're pretty much uber powerful so your dm has to come up with something to stop that because it's easier for your dm to do that for a specific group and and really get into your players uh, your characters heads rather than them just trying to throw some random bad guy at them right okay. preston Alan, what do you guys I'll, I'll let my inner cynic out um it's because i would say it's because it doesn't make as much money because it's, there's more games per capita that are playing at a lower level and further going down and i usually you guys know me i don't like being the going the the depressing route but the other thing is the longer you have humans together in a room 
the more likely conflict will arise. Mm -hmm. And so eventually every group, like there are still those golden groups. Like I feel like our group is a pretty dang good group. Everyone's kind of just jinxed us. I'm knocking on wood here. Knock on wood. But (laughs) it's one of those ones where, where it's, you know, eventually there's going to be, um, if, if you have a long running campaign, right, there's going to be scheduling conflicts. There's, there's, there's just more room for that kind of stuff. And eventually it's going to become a burden to somebody rather than something they enjoy. And then the group's going to break up. And that's usually, I feel like that's, that's the story I hear over and over and over when it comes to, to those kind of campaigns. And that's why you see new campaigns starting all the time. It's because people play and then they, they play for a little while and then life gets busy or people move away or that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I think, wait, 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 show your tattoo. It's like, give a close up. It's gotten better. It's, it's healed. Oh, that looks so cool. Oh, it's, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the direction. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't have the, the Worldwide archive fans take a drink. All right. All right. Enough. Um, so I think uh, from a DM's perspective, it's really hard to balance uh, combat after like level 10, really. <laughs> it gets extremely challenging. Um, like in our bronze battalion campaign, you guys were what level 12. And I was throwing you against like the highest challenge rating monsters you could have in, in the, uh, DMG and Monster Manual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, not was, not quite yeah. Tarasks, but no, but like, like level below. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like like uber deadly. And I mean, it was like taking it down to the last round. So like it was really intense. But like yeah. a level twelve, that's even that is like you should be wiped. And you guys were just doing a good job. Well, yeah. so I think I think it's hard to balance. You can, you can't account for every situation or every spell or every I'm going to cheese the game and go this way or whatever. Like you just don't know. So it's like the the characters have gotten so powerful. Right. That uh, only like world ending events are worth right. their time at this point. Like yeah, right. going and in and saving the town from a goblin raid just doesn't make sense when you're like, eh, well, like right. the local garrison can handle that. The and level so you, twos can do that. And so you're either sort of at risk of either like tpking well this is sort of always a challenge right and we do right. have we do have a card yeah a slide into my dms just point your forehead we do have a slide oh, in his forehead my dms <laughs> balancing combat and the challenges so i think this is somewhat applicable at all levels but especially yeah as you get later on in yeah. the game it's like the 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 line gets finer and finer between like yeah. t- you're you're either gonna TPK your party total party kill or uh, or um, or it's not challenging or it's not challenging yeah right. it's like that line as the levels get higher just like yeah. thins out but, and I think as a DM that's where we you know at least for me I fought, tend to fall into my you know a comfortable cadence right you're I'm comfortable running at local levels at city levels at like state levels but then when you start getting to a scale it's for me it's very difficult to to in my mind understand the scale just get keeping the scale of it in mind and trying to make them feel like the players feel like it's not just another hey this is just we're we're killing Vecna and he's really just you know a pouty child that's got his own you know castle that we're going to go and beat him up in mm-hmm. making it feel like oh man like this is this is much more expansive or this is much greater since we don't do that as dms very often i feel like that that for me i shy away from it just because it's just like it's it's unfamiliar it's uncomfortable um so that might I be have, another reason is just lack of yeah. um, experience on the DMs part. Yeah, or, or lack of experience. I think that, like, like you said, the groups fall apart before we get there. I saw this graph. I believe it was a D and D Beyond had put it out, but it was like the active campaigns 
in D&D Beyond and like what level they were at. And it was like one through 10 had a little bit. Then there was like 1% all the way until like level 13. It was like zero. And then level 20 shot up again for all those people doing like one shots. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. So I think like people I skip and just like, hey, let's try a level 20 one shot and just see what it's yep. like. Because they're never going to get there unless they do it as a one shot. <laughs> I have one more reason why I think this occurs. And I think it's because uh, D&D is designed as a game to play level one to 20 right and again we've got we've got uh i think it kind of just boils down to everything else that kind of goes into there is like if we if we've got to play from one to 20 we're going to start at level one and we're going to see where the campaign goes Mm -hmm. and if that starts with an adventure you definitely don't want to start with like a level 20 campaign because people are gonna be like uh hang on let me spend 10 minutes every turn trying to remember all my different rules because we've seen that we've seen that with our different uh even level 16 or 13 it's hard and even that was yeah and it it gets even more complicated when you get up to level 20 and that's something that it kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of the game if you start there but if you start at level one and you build up and you like i know all of my abilities and i'm adding new ones then it's even cooler but by the time you get to level 15 maybe you're bored of that character maybe maybe everyone's done with the campaign maybe the the dm really only had one thing planned for it right for me or the group falls apart or things like we've talked about the longer the longer you the longer the campaign goes the longer you stay with Mm -hmm. the characters the greater the likelihood of something happening to end you know your your experience the other question i have though is like does a does a dnd game really ever end even when you get like, right. is it for, is I, that, like in my heart, point? that's like, I don't know that there is. It's a good point. Like, I feel I like mean, like we ended Bronze Battalion, but there's like so much more of the story that I like. I want to yeah. get back to it, and yeah, like yeah. I, same with um same with the Horde of the Broken Spear campaign that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Like it ended, but like did it really end? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like all those stories can continue. And I've heard of groups that are like going on 20, 25 plus years at this point playing the same campaign. And I'm like, you've been playing a level 20 character for the past 15 years because they're doing paragon yeah. levels. I mean, and and if if they're not, like if it's like, oh, that character died originally and I start back at level one with a new one, right. it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, now we get into the ship of Theseus. It's like, when does it become a new DD game? You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it ever does if you keep the campaign, right? Just and then it's like the world. okay, there were this character retired and now his son takes up the mantle yeah, and right. we're starting yeah. again, like from level yeah. two or something. Like that would be really cool. So yeah, I absolutely love that. I always love doing like time skips for a new campaign, but yeah. in the same area. It's like legacy board games right but yeah, just at yeah, a D yeah. level so so here's here's kind of what i want to say to maybe segue into the next part i love i love D with all of my heart at at every stage of the game however having played late game just a couple of times and by late game i mean like level 13 plus i like i that's my favorite phase of the game i think like as a player um, and I can't speak as a DM, obviously. I'm sure that it's problematic for a number of reasons. But not not to say that like I just want to play at that level all of the time, but there is something that like that finale of uh, the rise of Tiamat, right? Where we we had a two-year buildup. Yeah. And our characters just got more and more powerful. And we had all those memories and experiences and like you know what I mean? And just that build and build and build and build to this final, huge, awesome, amazing, like fight that just felt like it, it felt so epic and yeah. amazing. And partly due to the fantastic, I think, 
3D model work that Corey and, and Scott, his brother, uh, put together for us for that campaign and stuff like that. It was just, it was so awesome. And it was so cool to be like, ah, oh, like my character is amazing. Like, <laughs> and not invincible. Yeah. Cause like, it was no. still right. Like, yeah. and, and so like, I, I would, I would encourage um, players and DMs to, to let your stories go like as long as you can keep your yep. group together and as long as everybody else is on board and still interested in your characters and things like that like yeah. like let that happen right but so so i guess the question then is what advice can we give to players to dms to 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 maybe see a little bit more high level play at our tables and um and like how to make it make it work well from like balancing combat to all of those things like what advice would you guys give the one thing that i find in any video game that i play don't make it too easy because if you're mm -hmm. if you if you make it too easy on the onset it makes it difficult it, like later at later levels it's um that climb right for me it, it, in diablo in warcraft if someone comes in and just dumps hey here's all the highest level gear you can get here's the highest level whatever and they just hand it to me yeah i'm basically guaranteed i'm never gonna play that game again because yeah. i don't i didn't yeah. work for it and it's it just boring. feels like it's cheap you know yeah but if, if you, you make it work for it then i feel like that that's and make it meaningful you know if you if you stretch that out and you make them feel like there's that growth between the leveling, um, they form that emotional bond to that character and they want to see that character succeed. Yeah. Okay. Yep. My, my biggest easy. thing, and this is this is kind of how planning went for Tales of an Area, is start with a goal in mind for level 20, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it's all well and good because when I ran uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, the end of that adventure was the end of the campaign. And we weren't at level 20 yet and I just went, I don't have I don't have anything more epic than this to give you guys, you know. Like I can come up with something, sure. and but it would take time, and it might not feel like quite to the same scale. It would just feel like it would feel like a later expansion in something like World of Warcraft, where it's like, well, now we have to go fight this even better guy, and we've this got it, even we've got it. We've more power send into uh -huh. hell to rescue yeah. Thornock to avert that's, and, and that, and that's that's essentially what would be the next chapter for that. Right. Um, but for Tales of an Area, I sat down uh, one day and I went, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to do for the end game? Because the end game has to be just as important as the early game, or else it's it's going to feel like it's just crammed in there at the end. Right, right. You know, if you guys finish the story and you're level 14, and then I'm like, okay, and now after like a year, Fast something else happens, uh -huh, mm -hmm. then you get into the syndrome of like, oh, this this feels like a sequel, and it doesn't feel like a really good sequel with a plot <laughs> or anything like that. It's the Matrix Reloaded. It's it's ready. I, I've been I've been reading Ready Player Two from oh, Ernest Klein. Same here. And it is it's it. Uh, I want I like it, but I hate uh, it at the same time yeah. because it's it. They they took their characters and they're they they made their characters level twenty. You know, essentially in in the world, right? Where uh, it's like we're now all billionaires and we can do whatever we want. Now what? Now now what is our now what is the author going to be able to do to make us to make us struggle see, and have that journey? You have to see if you maintain your morals yeah. as a billionaire. Yeah. Exactly. Well, do you and donate? It's just right? it's just nothing. It's but just like, all internal. It's problems. just nothing but like insight checks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's that tip one. Number two for me is it doesn't become a question of can we do this for your party? It becomes a question of 
should we do this? And thanks to a Reddit post for saying that, because I think it's an, a fantastic way of describing that it no longer becomes a, about your characters struggling to uh, to basically destroy the big bad evil or to destroy this army that's invading. It becomes a, should we do this? What are the moral implications of our actions at this point? Because we're essentially gods, so we can start affecting things on a multidimensional scale. Yeah, They were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop <laughs> to think if they should. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what else? What What other con What other suggestions? Advice? I mean, how about like from a balancing combat perspective? What are some things to keep in mind that can help you walk that fine line um, of of combat balance at high level play? Yeah, I think um, grind them down before they get to the boss. Mm. And then the boss is actually like cool yeah. because part of the problem at high level is if you throw them straight to the boss and they kick his butt, then you're like, oh well. Give all him, that build yeah. up for what? Like he so, was so lame. So don't so give him a long rest and then right. jump into the final maybe, maybe have a dungeon crawl that leads up to him and okay. there's lots of traps and enemies yeah. or mm -hmm. I, I don't know, but grind them down as you get to that yeah. point so that they still have their stuff. And maybe if they were smart, they held on to their high level stuff yeah. right. and maybe they had to spend it to res a player who knows, but kind of make them grind and work for it. So when they get there, it's a big payoff. Players, make sure you take catnap as a spell. <laughs> at least get a short rest right before yeah. that yeah. final boss. I'd say with that, you know, you could also play with the scale of things. So you could mm -hmm. pull a Ender's game on them, right? And so like, as they're doing this big fight up here, Spoilers. that there's all these other tertiary things going on down below that either they're directly involved with or not. And then their decisions that they make actively are starting to reflect outside so maybe if they're fighting on like the plane of some god and they end up killing this important piece of the deity suddenly this entire segment of that place is now dead and withered and become something different or you know like give give strong because with these big things like give those big swings in consequence in mm -hmm. action so I'd, I think i'd say you can effort. you can also add scale in the sense of like having other like battles maybe going on like you're the strike team and like this is yeah this is the war, but you're like the special unit that's going in yeah. to get this done. Like this it's is all the distraction while you do your thing and kind of mm -hmm. have this like scale. And like you said, have consequences there. Like maybe these people are dying. Like we had in our campaign. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Like especially yeah, important characters yeah, that people Arthur. love. Arthur. Yeah. yeah. That was a sad um, So something else that I think that, that sparked when uh, something that Dallin, that you were saying about stories and that they don't necessarily have to end. Because for me, I would always be shy that my least favorite part of every book series, every television series, whatever, is usually that they always come to an end, right? And the same thing with my character. I built this character that I love, and now at level 20, now they just ascend to godhood, and then that's it. Like, yeah, I, I don't like the idea of that. And so doing things where it's like, hey, maybe you do ascend to godhood, and somebody else comes and, you know, Hercules is, yeah, gets you to drink this thing, and now you're mortal again, you're level two. Now you got to go and regain your own power. Prestige class. Something. Yeah. You're, now you're prestiging or something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I would, I would say that when you're signing combats, uh, one, feel free to add as many traps and hazards that you want. Like with, with traps and hazards now at our current level in our Tales of an Area campaign, we're at like level five to 10, which by the way is my favorite 
time frame for any campaign is when you guys start like really ramping up and you're starting to feel a little bit more powerful and confident and it leads you to some dumb mistakes sometimes um but what i like no to do nope. is i like to i like to throw in <laughs> traps but have them be like this will trigger on your next turn if you're not in if you're still in this area to make people think about movement and placement more but at a higher level campaign i'll be like no every turn the entire floor does like 2d12 fire damage to everybody because at a high level that that's more of a nuisance than anything else right also throw mooks at them oh my gosh put an army of 100 goblins in the room and don't really slaughter give them, them all stats beyond like using them as maybe like a swarm or something sure. uh, and just let them just let them go ham because yeah. they will absolutely love it and they will yeah. feel as epic as their level is let the wizard crit and disintegrating mm -hmm. ray just like crit lander <laughs> across the <Yeah>. crowd <laughs> yeah no i like that i like that i think and and you know obviously some some of some of this advice and tips can be can be used to for uh, you know earlier levels it doesn't have to be only at like right. level 17 that you that you maybe do these things it's probably applicable to the end of a campaign like mm -hmm. the finale you know despite whatever level you're at but i think maybe particularly at those higher levels yeah. um it's that much more important to give your characters an opportunity to both feel really powerful but still feel challenged right also also feel free to homebrew more feel free to come up yeah. with some crazy Absolutely. monsters because yeah. your players can handle it and if they can't they've got resurrections out the out the butt like it's it's fine they're going to be yeah. all right um bless your a druid who didn't realize that revivify <laughs> was a spell reincarnate uses i don't know where fun. you get that looking at i've you, never met anyone who did that kind of thing no one's ever I lay dying never. on the floor <laughs> And you're here's a good berry 20k 20k on down's forehead. <laughs> oh, that's what we're alluding to. And your your boss monsters, limited magic immunity, make those high level spells really what uh causes the change in the tide. Low level spells really do nothing. Uh, you've got uh, legendary resistances, give your character, you know, legendary actions, make Lair them actions. as badass as possible in order yeah. to yeah. and be more prepared to improvise. Yeah. If if your if your boss is being hurt too quickly, triple his health. Yeah. Or or they'll kill off their favorite NPC using him, and then they'll get even more invested. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, the struggle with adding HP to a monster like that though is like, yeah, I got hit for a ton of damage, but when it hits one of them, it might it might knock them down. So like <laughs> like I don't want to add too much health because then maybe it goes four rounds, sure. and I it really could only go two rounds. So it's like. Sure it's a, just a tightrope you just have to as a dm you just get a feel for it i don't know like yeah. it's that's like horrible advice but like you kind of well, get a feel for it as you go practice but yeah just practice exactly so another thing i guess this is that we've already talked about this in some other the combats but maybe multi-phase your your boss you can take this one from final fantasy where my final you form. hit it and then they he breaks down and then he comes back to life and now he's a bigger form and then you kill that part and then he comes back as like this god form and maybe have maybe maybe have that as an option but yes. like do you know what i mean like yeah back pocket it so so like mm -hmm. if your characters blow through him way too easily you're <laughs> yeah. like okay second form but if like they almost die like in the okay. initial <laughs> he falls in the vat of magic acid now he's got yeah. this yep but but crazy again if form. you ever do things like that or if you're ever fudging numbers or adding hit points to a monster like behind your screen yeah. please, please do not 
don't give break the illusion inkling yeah. to yeah. players that you're doing that any other final tips advice that you guys would have for uh for people who are interested in getting into high level play a little more frequently or trying it even for the first time i mean humans always suck at goodbyes and ends so mm-hmm. brush up on your fantasies that are make have a, good endings make and kind a good of good yeah. epilogue exactly yep good like tie it up with a bow right yeah tie all the loose reread as a dm go reread or even as a player go reread your your initial what you wrote yeah and see where you're at where you've come and see if there's any additional like bows you can throw on the top that is like oh yeah i forgot they talked about this person and you know give them give them that that payoff that at the end Mm -hmm. it's just like that that golden return the prodigal son runs back and everyone's happy and whatever yeah i'd say uh kind of a controversial one here sometimes the villain's motivation doesn't really matter at high levels they can just be a big bad warlord that's trying to conquer all of reality you know and you don't need to have them be nuanced like i'm doing this to save my lover it's that's a real thing like it's it's not even a stretch yeah like and it just sometimes it doesn't matter because at that point your players are like we've had all of these character moments and we're all emotionally like our characters are emotionally established now let's just go ahead and just kill demons until level 20 you know gratifying (laughs) yeah just a slot slaughter the whole way be grateful that you're not in fourth edition which had 30 levels instead (laughs) that sounds that sounds lovely that sounds like job security for me. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so sixth edition, better have more levels yep. for job security. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> cool. I hope, um, I hope that you guys who are watching both enjoyed this, but then also would give us, you know, your own tips, tricks, advice for those of you who have seen high level play um, and, and have seen it done effectively at your tables, let us know, you know, what advice you guys have, or if you have additional thoughts on, you know, why we don't see it and, you know, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. I I personally would love to see more high level stuff. Again, not, not just like, like start every campaign at level 10 and go to 20 every time, you know what I mean? But I think, um, especially on a longer campaign, it's just a great sort of payoff to be able to get to those like upper tiers of like all of your most powerful abilities and really feel like your character has sort of reached their full potential. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that you've, that you've spent so much time with and been sworn the fourth ideal. Yeah. yeah. No, yes, you're just awesome. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Um, I want, I want to add a personal note that I absolutely have been having a blast uh, talking with everybody in the comments. Uh, so please do feel free to at, any of us because we love we love talking and discussing things even if we don't have a different opinion yeah Yeah. for sure for sure okay space well thanks guys um corey preston i would appreciate it if next time you would read the memo that i send about color coordination for the day because we got close navy blue yeah yeah i mean for this episode yep oh sorry behind here and Anyway, for those watching, I love you guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much uh, for your support. And, you know, take care. Hope to see you again very soon. And until then, uh, have fun playing some D&D. Okay. Talk to you later.